Did you know that many, many IRAs are legally required to file a tax return? Does your IRA have this obligation? Is it being done? Whose specific responsibility is it? And what are the repercussions of not filing it if required? I'm Brian Ellis, and I'll give you the scary truth right now in episode number 48. You're listening to Self-Directed Investor Radio. America's only podcast exclusively for affluent, self-directed investors, where each day of the week you receive innovative investment strategy and deadly accurate market analysis that's untainted by Wall Street and unblemished by government propaganda, all in seven minutes or less. Coming to you now from iTunes, Stitcher, and SDIRadio.com, here's your host, Brian Ellis. Welcome, 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 my friends. Thank you to the large number of you who wrote to me about the SDI triple play strategy that I taught you in the last episode of Self-Directed Investor Radio. Clearly, that strategy heavily resonates with a lot of you. If you have more questions or would like to get started using that investment strategy, just drop me a note at feedback at SDIRadio.com. Now, if you have an IRA, particularly a self-directed IRA, I'll bet your heart sunk a little and your mind said, "Uh uh-oh, as you heard the introduction to today's show. And my friends, that's the right response because many of you have IRAs that are legally required to file income tax returns, but you don't know that and it's not happening. And you're setting yourself up for some big trouble. Here's the skinny. From a legal perspective, your IRA is nothing more than a special type of trust. All that means is that some third party, aka a trustee, is holding assets on behalf of a beneficiary. The trustee is your custodian, the assets are your retirement savings, and the beneficiary is you. So the IRA is just a special type of trust designed for individual retirement savings, and there are some special rules that apply to it. One of those rules is that under most circumstances, it's entirely unnecessary for an IRA to file an income tax return. But there is a huge exception, and it's one that may be biting you. Here's how it works. If your IRA is involved in a few specific categories of activities, such as the running of an active business or the use of debt to purchase assets, then you're basically working outside of the intent of the IRA itself. The IRA, and indeed trusts as a whole, well, they're not really business entities, and your IRA was not intended to house business activity. Rather, it was designed to hold assets that generate profits in a passive manner. When your IRA generates income outside of those fairly narrowly defined lanes, it's generating something called unrelated business income. And if your IRA generates more than $1,000 of that type of income per year, my reading of the law says your IRA is required to file a tax return. And yes, that was my disclaimer. Talk to an attorney on your own to confirm this. But let's be honest here. You and I both know I'm right about this, don't we? (laughs) So what form should be filed? And more importantly, who should file it? Well, that's where the waters get murky, particularly for self-directed IRA custodians. The Internal Revenue Code says rather clearly that any trust generating more than $1,000 of that type of income must file a form called 990-T. IRAs are specifically included in this definition. Fair enough. A tax return must be filed for IRAs that meet that standard. But here's the question. Who is liable for filing that tax return? You might assume that the liability rests with you. After all, it's your account. But the instructions for Form 990 clearly say that liability for filing the form rests with trustees of IRAs that have over $1,000 in that type of income. And who is the trustee? Well, it's not you. It's your custodian. Hmm. 
If your IRA generates unrelated business income, has your custodian ever filed a tax return for you? I'll bet not. In fact, chances are they've told you it's your responsibility. And you know what? There are other places in the code that suggest there's a penalty for you for failure to file this return, even though the form itself says the responsibility rests not with you, but with your custodian. It's a tangled mess, to be sure. Welcome to the world of government bureaucracy. So where does this leave you? I think there are two conclusions to be drawn. Number one, if you're generating business income in your IRA, you really need to have an attorney who has specific experience with self-directed IRAs to advise you on these issues. Because failure to file your tax returns or filing a return for which you're not qualified to file could cause a huge legal and financial mess for you. If you'd like a referral to such an attorney, just drop me a note at feedback at sdiradio.com. And number two, use this example to learn about your relationship with your custodian. Here's the thing. I'm betting your custodian never told you about this issue and certainly never discussed the lack of clarity about filing requirements with you. They really should have done that. But here's the thing. They're not required to educate you about those issues. That's your responsibility, no matter how much it's accurate that the custodian should have told you about it. Note here that my point is not to bash custodians. Far from it. They're in a tough spot. They represent the government's position in your retirement savings, and you can be sure that the government is constantly changing the rules on them. Your custodian is, at the end of the day, a person or a group of people just like me and you. So I'm confident there's no ill intent in their failure to fully educate you about this issue. Nevertheless, what I'd take from this episode is that you should immediately clarify whether your account is liable for a tax return and also that you should be very clear that at the end of the day, you are responsible for the compliance of your IRA. Remember, if something goes wrong in your account and the IRS decides to try to seize it, no matter whether the problem was your fault or not, it's still your money that will be lost. That's all for today, my friends. But before I go, I'd like to tease you a little bit with a recent happening. A colleague of mine recently invested some capital, a bit under $55,000 in this case, with one of my real estate investment teams that is, to put it lightly, spectacular at what they do. My team used that capital to purchase a home at foreclosure auction, rehab it, and resell it. It was totally turnkey. My colleague had to do nothing other than provide the capital. The entire process took a bit under five months, and at the end of those five months, my colleague was returned all of his capital, plus a healthy cash-on-cash return of 30.14%. That's a lot. (laughs) Interested to know more about this? I'll be giving you some more case studies in coming days. To be certain, this example is on the high side. More typically, my colleagues who have invested with this team tend to earn around 7 to 15% per transaction, and virtually all transactions complete in five months or less, so a very healthy return. Listen more, for the, listen more about this in upcoming episodes. Thank you, my friends. Up tomorrow, another great case study, plus more powerful and little-known strategies just for self-directed investors like you. And remember, invest wisely today. Live well forever. Thank you for listening to Self-Directed Investor Radio with Brian Ellis. Don't miss a single episode. Be sure to subscribe to Self-Directed Investor Radio right now on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at sdiradio.com. Your feedback is always welcomed via email at feedback at sdiradio.com. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as legal or professional advice for your situation. Content is the property of the Self-Directed Investor Society. 